The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Yeah, you know, you know, universally, music is one of those things that everybody loves. They love different kinds of music, but there's something about what's wired into us. Theologians would call it beauty that God put in us, appreciation of beauty. Thanks for joining me here. The doctor is in. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Program Monday through Friday here on the Co-Opt. No, that doesn't sound right. The Cooperative. Co-Opt means to kind of be using for your own advantage. The Cooperative Venture of EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, a phenomenal, phenomenal network, and Ave Maria Radio Communications, who produces this show along with EWTN. The people of both places are good friends and highly, highly admired professionals. So there, I said that. Am I going to get a raise? Probably not. Just want to warn you, though, that my lawyers are um, drawing up a contract where I'm going to get paid by the word. Do you think I talk fast now? Wait till then. Get on to the program, 877 877- Five seven three seventy eight twenty five eight seven seven fifty seven equal. That interesting phenomenon that's occurring. I mentioned this to my wife. She always she always guides me. She'll text me during the show. Did you mean to say that? Good response. What about this? She has some good stuff. Well, I noticed. You know, for example, yesterday, eh, probably about twenty minutes till the end of the show, I made the observation as I typically do. That you can call any time during the show, and you have an equal chance of getting on. People, I know they think you got to jump in line at the very top of the show, because each call is taken in order. Now, sometimes that is true, but there are other factors that enter in as we move through the call volume. I mentioned about 20 till, I said, hey, you call in. You guys still got a chance to get on. And just a bunch of calls immediately came in, which tells me those folks were of the mindset, well, it's 20 till, don't waste your time calling in now. Some people would say don't waste your time calling in ever, but that's something we could talk about. So the number to get in anytime, 877-57-EQUAL. I'm a psychologist, headed to the office yesterday morning, headed to the office this afternoon. But here on the radio program, I don't do professional psychology. I don't diagnose. I certainly don't step in another therapist's turf. Don't do therapy, but we can educate. Give a few ideas, a few thoughts. Ponder your options. Think about what's facing you. Sometimes you help me a lot more than I help you, believe it or not. It really does. 
It adds to my sample size of trying to understand the human condition. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to get onto the program. Some monologues, excuse me, monologues, I have to tread delicately or I have to qualify heavily at the very beginning. This happened a lot in the beginning of COVID, which I'm glad to say the research is coming out that is confirming many of my initial instincts psychologically. I still see people wearing masks at the airport, most of them. And this is just observation, most being female and most younger females who are probably least at risk next to children who are almost at no risk. Well, they can get COVID, but no risks of repercussions, serious repercussions or fatalities. So I'm going to qualify all this heavily. This is not a commentary on any kind of inferiority between the sexes. Notice I didn't say genders. I said sexes. This is a commentary on, I guess you could say, the media trying to portray what they think we should think about the sexes. My wife and I at night usually hunker down on the recliner and we watch maybe a series. We pick out a series that we think is fascinating. We watch it. And I think what I see on the series, and especially on the commercials between the series, is indicative of what I have seen elsewhere. Network, other streaming places. I don't watch it much, but when I do, it just simply parallels what I see. Now, obviously... People are well aware that guys are generally portrayed as inept, as doofuses, as the ones who need to be straightened out in their thinking, usually by a female. Now, I'm not not commenting on whether this is a truism or not, although it's not. There's guys that are smart and there's women that are smart. But I'm commenting on the fact that there's, there's something driving this. What is the ulterior intent of hammering you relentlessly with that message? But let's take it beyond that, because that's the more obvious one. I was watching a... I was at a, a hotel, and typically when I'm at a hotel on a talk, I'll, I'll try to find something of fascination. I was, I was watching... Court camera, some kind of court camera show. They were looking at the judges making rulings, and sometimes the defendants or the, well, not the plaintiff, the plaintiff, uh, if they're not convicted, they're pretty happy, but the defendant or someone in the courtroom finding out that the judge or the jury is saying something they don't like. Now, of course, sensationalizing all this, typically it shows a very violent person. The person just erupts. And the bailiffs, usually about three of them, have to try to restrain this person. It's just a male. They restrain him. And in trying to restrain him, they might have to cuff him 
with his hands behind his back. But I watch this, and it's a struggle. I mean, when a person is struggling like that, they're flailing. And it isn't easy to do this. And it took three of them in the one scene I saw. Now, I contrast that to the TV shows that I see where the police officer or the FBI agent, the law enforcement person, is a female. Very commonly, she is the one who outruns the male, tackles the perp, throws the perp to the ground, who's twice her size. Usually she's about 5'1 or 5'2 and maybe weighs 120. Throws him to the ground, immediately puts both hands behind his back and cuffs him. Takes about six seconds. Now, that's not realistic. This is not to impugn females. But typically, that's not realistic. So the question becomes, why would, I know this is going to sound funny, why would TV portray something that's not realistic? What's their motive? Their motive, I believe, is to relentlessly say that there are absolutely no differences, physical or otherwise, between male and female. Get it through your head, people. There are no differences. There is no reality about this. Furthermore, most of the time, I would say I would say the majority of the time, whether it's a corporate boardroom, and this is for the series or the commercials, whether it's a corporate boardroom, whether it's an organization, whether it is any kind of gathering, much more often than not, the female is the head. She's the boss. The guys are underlings. Now, that's not reality. You may disagree that you should, you may say it should be reality, and I'm not arguing that. I'm simply saying right now that's not reality. The reality is simply that in most corporate boardrooms or most places like that, males still are more often in authority. For better or for worse, I'm just simply saying that's the reality. Not on TV, not on commercials. So what are they doing? Well, they're basically saying, this is how it should be. Now, if the woman is competent, hey, absolutely, no question. This is how it should be. I've been seeing advertisements, and I've been watching and looking as I walk down the gangway toward the plane, the different airlines, and they put forth their pilots. Very often female. Now, if the female pilot is a good male pilot, absolutely great. We're looking for competence here when we're in the air like this. But they're pushing very hard that everything has to be absolutely equal between the sexes. There is nothing that males are better than females at, and there's nothing that female. Well, wait a minute. That's not true either because they do present females as much superior to males in a lot of ways. And then there's one other subtlety I want to get at. None of the commercials, none of them, portray a beautiful organism. How should I put this? A beautiful, we would call it a vocation. They would call it a choice of life as motherhood. Oh, come on, Dr. Ray. I see mothers in commercials. True, true. But the vast majority of the time when a woman is presented, she is presented as fulfilling and achieving what life 
is to be about. If she is working, if she is a professional, if she is in a place of status. I'm not saying that's not, should be. I'm not, again, qualifying here. Not saying that isn't the way it should be or the way it is getting. I'm saying that motherhood is very subtly just being pushed aside with the message being, if you're just just a mom, yeah, okay, you're kind of second class. We don't celebrate you. You disagree with me? Watch. And I will tell you something else. Of the people, that was a dumb thing to say, wasn't it? I will tell you something else. That's stupid. I'm just looking for words there. The people, this has been my experience, who watch these commercials and watch these shows, if I bring this up to them, look at me like, huh? What? I didn't notice that. And then they start paying attention. You're right. That is what they're doing. Yeah, I know. But they're so good at it. And it's so relentless that they're going to shape the way you think. Last point. Years ago, years and years and years ago, before this relentless push, they did a survey and they asked women at random, are men jerks? 67% of women surveyed, two to one, said men are are jerks. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm hoping I'm in that one third, you know, but I bet that's a lot smaller now than it was then. 877-573-7825. If you've never been to EWTN's free family celebration, this is your year. Your EWTN family is waiting for you where it all began in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us Saturday, August 26th as we celebrate Mother Angelica's love for the Eucharist and mark the centennial year of Mother's birth. For more information on this free event, visit EWTN.com slash family celebration. We want to see you there. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. My Life Angels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. 
You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. I notice as I get older, my memory is getting shorter and my complaining is getting longer. I don't know what I can do about my memory, but I can do something about the complaining. Nice to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Program here. The doctor is in. We will be heading, God willing, to St. Gabriel Radio, Dominican University, down in Columbus. August, let me get this date right. I'm confused on it. I think it's August 8th and 9th. I, I've been away from the microphone there, so you heard me just fade away. It is... <laughs> yep, August 9th and 10th. August 10th was the birthday of my little brother. Little brother Anthony passed away many years ago. Um, we'll be heading to St. Gabriel Radio, and we are opening it up to audiences Got four shows there on the 9th and 10th at Dominican. If you go to stgabrielradio.com, St. Like, S-T, gabrielradio.com, you can sign up. You can come to one, come to two, come to three, come to four. We'll feed you in between shows. You can bring your kids, bring your dog, bring your goldfish. We're going to fill up those seats. So, love to have you. Ed from Youngstown, Ohio. I used to work there, Ed. How are you? Good, doctor. How are you, sir? Yeah, nothing gaining on me. Good deal. Doc, I, how, how do you define codependency, and, and what can a person do about that if a family member is thought to be codependent in a bad situation? Well, the way you define codependency is the way you define most traits. They are fuzzy. They mean a lot of different things. Typically, if you want to summarize it, common theme is that for whatever the reason, the person feeds into the other person's behavior and they get some benefit from it. Okay? Now, that said, Ed... I would advise you just to get rid of that label, because that's all it is. It's a label. It's not a cause. You can't say, my daughter does this because she's codependent. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't say anything at all. Your daughter does it for much more specific reasons. So, that's the first thing. The second thing is, does she even recognize that she's feeding into some of this stuff? Um. I would say so, Doc, because she is a therapist. Oh, well, then would she deny that she's codependent? I'm not, Dad. I know more than you do. I, I would. I, I could hear her saying that for sure. So she didn't want to hear it. Absolutely, 100% correct. And I've never broached the subject because uh, you'll just be kind of canceled out. Oh. Well, you've done a good thing. You have read the situation, you've picked up the clues, and you've said, if I approach this, I'm about 100% sure what it's going to do. One, it will be denied, and two, it'll probably hurt our relationship. 
Am I wrong on that? I got my percentages wrong? You are 100% accurate. Like hearing that? Like hearing that? Sometimes I strive for 110%. Um, but uh, Well, you're 110, Doc, on this one, let me tell you. Yeah, your best move, Ed. And I know people sometimes get tired of me saying this. Best move is not say anything. We, okay. we, t- we tend to think that there is a reasonable way to approach everyone in every situation. And if we just found the right words, the right logic, the right empathy, the right you message, the right win-win scenario, we'd get through to them. The problem is people don't necessarily live by reason. They live by self-interest. They live by emotion. They live by willfulness. So if your daughter basically says, I don't, I don't buy a dad, don't even bring it up. It's not true. You don't know what I'm dealing with. I know what I'm dealing with, Dad. I know people better than you do. I'm a therapist. Um, your best is to kind of say, okay, okay, all right. If she's going to come to these conclusions, she's going to have to come to them on her own. Or, or here's the other thing, Ed. She might not be codependent. You might just think she is. See, there you go, my friend. I mean, it, yeah, go ahead. It may be, Doc. I have no clue, but I thank you so much for the info. You're welcome, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, Ann is from Buffalo. I, on the other hand, am from humans. Hi, Ann. How are you? Hi, I uh, need to pick your brain. Go ahead. I got. There's a lot there to pick. It's kind of moldy up there. A little bit, little, a lot of softball dust is kind of in my interstitials between my neurons. But there's enough left, hopefully, to give you some help. Okay. I, I used to be. Well, I'm a disabled nurse, and I, I'm used to helping people and taking care of them. And I've been laid up with a, a rare chronic illness in my leg. It's just really dying and it's just nothing I can do about it and it's getting the better of me but anyway I've been reading a lot about saints and things and I uh, I've gone to healing masses and whatnot and one of the things that Father Richard McAleer said uh, he would you know pray over people and week after week this one woman was coming there and he finally said to her you know is there somebody you have a grudge against and, oh, yeah, my sister, I hate her, and I'd, I'd rather have cancer than to forgive her. Wow. That's, that's pretty that's, potent. Yep. And anyway, I just, I grew up in an alcoholic home, and I've forgiven my dad, and, he, you know, he cleaned up his act, and he was a loving kind of guy, and he had issues. But my brother, he's like a jealous bro, a sibling rivalry thing that's been going on forever. And, you know, he's got his good points and bad like I do. But uh, if anything, I would say to any of your listeners, don't play favorites. It destroys families. In any way, when my parent, parents passed away, I took care of them for years. And, and he caused such havoc, spreading lies about me that I was stealing money from my mother and I wasn't. If anything, I was spending money hand over fist out of my own pocket how old was your dad when he how old was your dad when he started accusing you of that i'm sorry please repeat that how old was your dad when he started accusing you of stealing money oh no my 
brother accused me of it when we were doing the, you know, the estate handling, that kind of thing. My mother had dementia. She died two years later. Did your father, and, uh, did, did your father show signs of dementia? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So one of the, one of, the reason I asked that question, Ann, you're getting yourself all upset over what your father accused you of, is that if in fact... My father didn't. My brother did, not my father. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm confused. So your brother accused you then, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So the the point here is still the same. If your brother was showing signs of dementia, one of the signs is paranoia. Now stay right there. I'll explain this when we get back. 877-573-7825. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge by acquaintance is what St. Paul's talking here. We need to increase our acquaintance of God. What can we do to increase our knowledge of God? Well, study scripture, pray fast. But here's the obvious question. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Or are you simply kind of staying stable? You're living off past encounters. When we speak of increasing our knowledge of God, as I said, you can read all the books you want about God and you'll have lots of information, but it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily become acquainted with him. We need to know God by acquaintance. And that's what lies at the heart of all true religion. Cresta in the Afternoon weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Rochelle. Some great people have shown respect for God. Can I read you a little quotation from Albert Einstein, who many times showed a great respect for religion and was one of the great admirers of Pope Pius XII for his stand against the Holocaust during the Second World War. Einstein wrote, The fairest thing we can experience is the mysterious, is the fundamental emotion that stands at the cradle of all true art and science. A knowledge of the existence of something we can't penetrate of the manifestations of the profoundest reason and the most radiant beauty which are only accessible to our minds in the most elementary form. It is this knowledge and this emotion that constitute the truly religious attitude. Oh my, so beautifully said. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I just got a text from a listener said, I think you have the facts wrong on that call. You better explore it again. It's the brother who is accusing. He doesn't have dementia. The dad did. At least that's what I understand. I give that uh, person a lot of credit for texting. It's my wife. (laughs) So I better revisit this. And you still there? I am. All right, here's what I know. You took care of your parents. Your mom had dementia. In the end, as they were sorting through 
the inheritance, your brother accused you. He's the one you're having a hard time forgiving. He accused you of stealing from the family or stealing from the inheritance or not being honest, right? Correct. Now, I asked, did your brother show signs of dementia? No, he didn't. Okay, that's where I misunderstood that. He didn't. He he showed no signs of this. He was just angry at you because he thought you were doing a little sleight of hand here, huh? I guess. And he figured are you were you the executor of the will? We both were. He went to the lawyer and got my name taken off. Oh ho ho. Whoa ho ho ho. Was there a lot of money involved? Not mega bucks. You know, there were six kids. And, um, you know, it was not a, not a huge amount, but, you know, my dad used to plead poor and we used to spend a lot of money. Oh, I don't have any money today. Why don't you take care of this? So, well, I interestingly would enough, thousand every year. why would your brother want to push you out? Because I was the golden favorite child that my father favored and it caused so much havoc. Okay. So the brother is the one you're really struggling to forgive. Correct. And it was because primarily he accused you, or no, you've had a long-standing bad relationship with him? Long-standing bad relationship. He always hated me. Oh, okay. Does he still hate you? Um, Maybe on some levels he does. All right. I, I, I did post that question to him. Why are you so hateful? Well, that's a pretty strong word to use, he said. No, So he's denying it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, have you forgiven him? I I try. I have masses. I pray about it. Well, that's forgiven him. Hey, 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 that's I, forgiven him. What you're saying is I have to feel warm toward him. No, you don't. I guess. No, you don't. You're praying for him. You're having masses said for him. That's forgiving him. You're not wishing him ill. You're not wishing he'd roast in right. hell. You're, you're simply right. saying, it's hard for me to have ushy-gushy feelings toward my brother because of the long-standing struggles between us. Okay, I got right. that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you may soften toward him in time when you start to reframe this, Anne, and that is... Is it possible your brother is more unhappy about things than you are? Maybe. Yeah. So he's when you, not well either. There you go. When you realize he's not a happy person, it makes it a little easier to feel softer toward him. Because he's not I this guess, overbearing, yeah. obnoxious, I'm superior to you attitude. Although that may be how he tries to come across, but that's not really where he's at. He may be jealous of you in some respects. You're a professional. Was he? Well, he had he was a he fixed cars. He had a brilliant mind for that and then he was a prison guard. Okay. Well, you were a professional. You had a college degree. Yeah. Yeah. So don't don't confuse that you don't have the warmest of feelings toward him with not forgiving him. You're doing a lot of very good things to show God, I want to forgive him. I'm praying for him, offering masses for him. I'm I'm wanting the very best, 
for his soul. That's what you're doing. That's great stuff, Ann. Right. Tell you what, if more people would do that with folks they have a hard time forgiving, well, there'd be a lot more forgiveness. I hope you All forgive right. me. I hope you forgive me for going on too long. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I'll talk I to always, you. I always, yeah? I always appreciate your words of wisdom and things, and things how you present them, like the last caller and things. Things words that we of, never think about. Ed. W- words of wisdom. I like that. I think I might might have yeah. to co-opt that as a slogan. <laughs> Thank you, dear. I'll t- I appreciate the call. Bye. Ah, I got time here. Now, we're at the midpoint, so you can still call in because we have nine lines. And uh, you call in, you, you're going to get in. That's that's clear enough. It just kind of depends on what the circumstances are. Angel from Ohio did call yesterday. Oh, she's struggling with Pride Month. Hi, Angel. How are you? Hi, doctor. I'm sort of okay, I guess. <laughs> I am struggling with it. I'm really struggling with it. Um, yesterday, I walked into the bank, um, and... I uh, was just listening to the radio as I was getting ready to cash a check, and and this you know announcement came over LGBTQ adoration this week somewhere in town. I didn't catch where where it's at, and it went into the details of what we needed to do, and uh, we had to get there, and blah blah blah. And I just felt I just wanted to throw up. I was so upset because we're being so inundated. And I agree with you um, about your your analog. My daughter and I were in uh, Rome recently, and I had a sprained ankle, and our Mercedes broke down on the Via Nationale, and we were scared to death to ask for help because who's going to think what if we ask people for help, male or female? And so we broke out of it, and we had more people more anxious to help us than we found. And I think part of the problem is we're so convoluted. We can't ask men for help. Why not? Oh, heck, I don't even know whether to hold doors for women anymore. I don't know whether to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I don't know what to say. It's hard to say yes. They were scared scared to death. Good news, bad news, Angel. This is the reality. Okay, this is a heavy direction that our culture is headed. And the idea Mm. that most people are of the mindset, live and let live, uh, they're getting frustrated because they believe that they're not being allowed to live and let live, that they have to celebrate and accept someone else's approach to life, if even if they choose not to do that for themselves. They have to accept that. Mm. That's where the frustration is coming in. The good news is you can still adhere to your own life view, your own moral system. At this point in our country, you're not overtly persecuted for that. You're not dragged mm-hmm. off, although there is some movement yeah. toward hate speech being being illegal, and that's happened in some other countries. But yeah. that's what's that's what's scary right now. Yeah, hate yeah, speech is anything true. that is defined as offensive by anybody. Um, so you're right. The, the The news is on a on a cultural scale. This is what's happening. Yeah. On an individual scale, you are perfectly able to navigate this and to believe what you believe. And to where wherever you think the situation is open, to speak about it. Thank this is Dr. A. Number is 877-573-7825-877-57 equal. That's the number. I want to hear from you. We got lines open. So give me a call. I mean, I can do the rest of the show by myself, but I'd rather have you with me.
The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. Most people would be surprised to know that diagnostic testing standards for brain death diagnosis are not mandated in the U.S., and they vary greatly by state and hospital. Even among the leading neurological hospitals in the U.S., there are major differences. Studies show that up to 40% of people are misdiagnosed as brain dead, who are in fact conscious to some level with the potential to recover. In the 1960s, it became apparent that there were too few organs available for transplant recipients, and the brain death diagnosis was created. Now the number of those diagnosed brain dead has increased every year. Between 2012 and 2016, the brain death diagnosis increased by nearly 25% in the U.S. and now accounts for one in every 50 hospital deaths. A brain death diagnosis also means that all treatment stops because the person has been declared dead. This allows clinicians to remove life support, food and water, and harvest the person's vital organs. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. On this show and on this network and uh, in many of our other outlets that we have through Ave Maria Radio and EWTM, we're always going to keep you up to date on what's happening in terms of the culture and how toxic the culture is. Certainly, we talk about that uh, every week. So you can navigate the media landscape, so you can learn about the challenges and be well aware of them. That's one thing. We talk about religious liberty issues. We talk about the attacks, of course, on on the pro-life causes. We need to be aware of all that, which is why we talk about it. So we give you the tools, we give you the information, the research that we come up with as writers, as producers, as presenters, as talk show hosts, on and on and on. But at the end of the day, what do we need to do when we know this? We should be speaking out even more loudly and on a regular basis. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. to have you with me 877-573-7825 equal is the number to call to get on to the program kind of want to extrapolate a little bit on my opening monologue there was a lot i could have said i think the effectiveness of so much of what the media does is that we become inured to it we habituate to it 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 we don't look at it and think what are they trying to do most people don't like to do that you don't you don't want to go through life analyzing everything only shrinks do that and that's why we're nuts but it's hard for me to look at the portrayal of commercials the portrayal of shows and to not ask what commentary are they trying to be? They're not just trying to entertain, although that, that is part of it in their sensationalism. But what are they trying to portray? In virtually every series I've watched for the last couple of years as I pick out a series and try to watch it, and I, and I gravitate toward the series that I think can teach me a little bit about analyzing and life and things like this. Virtually every one of them, the majority of the people in authority are female. Now, you could say, well, so what? So what? Maybe they've earned it. I'm not arguing. But what I'm saying is that's not reality. 
even if you say it's an equal division, which it's not, and you could argue that's not good, but I'm just simply saying the reality is, and then someone could counter and say, well, that's okay, we want to change reality. Okay. But they get to the point where it's no longer changing reality, it's changing reality that can't be changed. Dr. Ray just didn't make any sense. For example, if you're XX, you're 37 trillion cells, you're biologically female. If you're XY in your 37 trillion cells, you're biologically male. Now, I don't know of any scientist, any medical person who can argue that. They may deny it. They may say, no, you are what you decide you are. But the reality is that's what your cells are. And we have progressed far enough in our biological understanding of the human body to know that these chromosomes affect all other parts of our body. The size of our hearts, the way our brains are wired, everything, the musculature, the bone structure, everything in our bodies responds to XX or XY. So to say, I then can declare myself not a male, but a female, and then I can compete in women's sports. Now, I'm not going to get into the... Well, yeah, maybe I am. Because I deal with reality. I'm a psychologist. i got to deal with reality. That's what I was trained to deal with. Reality. And so I can say, given my size, given my superior strength, given what I have, that... I can compete against females. I saw an interesting survey where they took Olympic women's track and field records. Olympic now. And they compared those. I forget the which, which state it was or maybe it was any state. High school boys track and field records of nine or ten categories the state holder among high school boys was higher than the Olympic female athlete this is not demeaning females in physical strength this is basically saying this is the biological reality. There was a coach, and I don't know if he's still around, and this was back in the earlier days of the women's soccer team. It's either national women's soccer team or the Olympic women's soccer team. I don't know which one. Don't know the details. Very high level. And he set up scrimmages against high school boys soccer teams. Because he wanted the women to compete against people faster than they were. That's reality. I, I, as a psychologist, I struggle with 
How can we just ignore reality? When I was trained, everything said, reality, focus on reality, focus on reality. If, the, if a client comes into your office and they're clearly denying reality, they're clearly twisting reality, you've got to explore this. You've got to say, what, what is behind this? Why are you thinking this? What has led you to think this? What is going on here? We were allowed to do that. What's happening now is that you're not. Remember when this was some years back when one of the catchphrases was, you have your reality and I have my reality. My reality is not your reality. And we saw that as kind of a really very shaky mantra. But at the speed of light, it has become a mantra that is truth in our culture. I was one year in engineering at Case Institute of Technology. And the one thing I learned was I couldn't have my own reality when it came to designing a bridge. I couldn't say, you have your formulas and I have my formulas. We have to agree to disagree. One of us has the wrong formulas, and that's devastating for the bridge. Reality wins in the end. It becomes very difficult to battle reality. Eventually, it catches up to most people, even though they try to deny it. It, it has repercussions. Just a small example. This is not political. Small example. There are some major cities in our country who have basically said that shoplifting under a thousand bucks is a misdemeanor, and for the most part, you are not to try to stop shoplifters. What has happened? Businesses are moving out. They can't conduct business. You just come in here and take stuff. Or they're putting it behind locked glass cases. Now, see, there, the reality is having its repercussions, and the businesses are leaving. So in the attempt to deny reality that stealing is stealing, no matter what amount of stealing it is, and saying, well, it's not really stealing, it's not really that serious, and this is because we have to allow people a certain amount of stealing expression, you can do that, but then other people respond and say, well, my reality is to get out of here. And then ultimately you start to lose your tax base, and ultimately your city starts to decline. When you deny reality, it eventually wins. 877-573-7825. For the first time, the lines are quiet. You want to get in? I'll take it. EWTN uses the power of radio to reach people whenever and wherever they're searching for answers to questions about their Catholic faith. EWTN Radio is heard on over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio affiliates. For a complete list of programs and how to hear EWTN Radio, visit EWTN.com and click Radio. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Have you ever wondered why your hair turns gray? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Proverbs 16 teaches us that gray hair is a crown of glory. 
According to NYU, we get gray hairs because some of our stem cells near the hair follicles get stuck as we age, so they lose their ability to mature and keep their color. Someday, researchers may be able to find a way to reverse these stuck stem cells and turn the hair color switch back on. For now, the upside to having some gray, well, it can make us look wise. I'm not sure that works in my case. Just ask my wife. Another upside, too, the average cost of hair coloring at a salon is $75 to $200 plus each time. Think of the savings over time. Yes, it's good to have gray or white hair. Just ask anyone who's bald. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on gray hair and this study at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Dr. Ray Grandy, thank you for joining me. Got a call off the air. She just simply said, I'll give you the circumstances. Give me your thoughts. This is Hannah. She's a stay-at-home mom, two kids, five and two. Moving into a little bit of a clingy phase. This is not uncommon, especially true among preschoolers, where they can, for whatever the reason, decide they don't want you out of their sight can't go to another room they're gonna follow you and parents are are usually reluctant to deal with this firmly because it seems kind of heartless i mean this is a four-year-old who who just wants to be by mommy and who gets upset if mommy has to go to another room or the four-year-old gets upset if they have to go to another room so what do you do and you try to reassure and you try to calm down you try to say it's okay mommy's right here And reasoning doesn't work too well with four-year-olds. Have you noticed? If nothing is wrong, if you can't find anything that would be entering this child's life out of the norm, any particular trauma, any particular hiccup, something, if it just seems to have come out of nowhere, then it probably did. Not unusual. Kids go through quirks in their personality, in their makeup. They do this. Why? I don't know. That's what makes it a quirk. Can't really find a reason for it. It may be that by hitting age four, they have enough cognitive sophistication to realize, hey, wait a minute. Where'd mom go? I don't don't like it when mom's not here. Get over here. Now, what a parent has to do is to start gradually separating. Whether it's, you can't go upstairs with me, and then the child cries, and the parent may have to weather the crying, because the child has to see there is no danger when mom is out of sight. When an adult client walks into therapy, 
and has a phobia, an anxiety that is attached to a particular circumstance. Say, for example, um, I don't want to go to church because there's a guy at church that I just think doesn't like me. And uh, I don't know if it's my imagination or not, but he's kind of staring at me. So pretty soon you can think yourself into a pretty fretful state. All right. Then what? What you have to do, the best way to deal with that, is to go to church and recognize that there is no danger in going there. The guy's not going to hurt you. And little by little, you realize that your fear was groundless. Now, that takes a little time to rewire. Same thing with little kids. If they got a fear that I don't want mommy out of my sight, I don't want mommy into another room, I don't want mommy to leave, to go somewhere and leave me with daddy because I like mommy more than daddy because I'm a four-year-old girl, they got to realize through, through your enforcing that that mommy's coming back. Mommy goes to another room. She doesn't disappear. She's still there. Exposure is the one thing that can reduce the anxiety. And the nice thing about being a little kid is that a big person can make you be exposed. I can't make my clients be exposed. If they come into my office and they say, I have a fear of flying, and I say, well, all righty, what would happen if you flew? Well, I'd be anxious. What else would happen? Well, I'd be anxious. What else would happen? Well, I don't like that. Okay, what else? It's uncomfortable. What else? Well, I, 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 do you want to fly? Yes. You recognize you're going to be anxious? I guess. What will happen if you fly and you land safely? Well, I guess I'll realize that it was safe. That's right. Now, how many times would you think you'd need to fly and land safely before you get less anxious when you fly? See, I can't make them do that. They can say, well, I don't like the anxiety, so therefore I'm not going to fly. Okay, I, I cannot make them do that. They can come to me and say, what do I need to do? And I say, here's what you need to do. And they say, well, good, I'm not going to do it. Okay, that'll be $80. But with a little kid, you can do that. You can say, Mommy is going to the bathroom, and you need to sit on this chair until I get back. You are not allowed to come to the door and cry and pound on the door. You can do that. And when that little kid, after about seven times of Mommy leaving the room and coming back, realizes, okay. I had a friend with a five-year-old do that. She did the same thing, and within two days, it was gone. What seemed to be an unbelievable, resistant piece of behavior. Two days? You got anything in as adult you couldn't cure in two days? I'm Dr. Ray. I got to run. Thank you for the call, Hannah. I appreciate that. God bless you. Walk with God, and that's not anxiety-producing. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.